I think knowing that my joy is inherent and actually that it's not, it's not something that exists outside of me. Like, even if we don't, and I think that's kind of a, that's a, that feels like a big, that was a big pill for me to swallow, which is like, I had to, and I think this is something that is challenging for a lot of people is that it's easy. Well, maybe not easy, but the habituated conditioned response is to be blaming other people for what we have and don't have. Welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben Harris, also known as the Fear Guy. My job is to help you feel more free in your life with love and relationships, self-worth, and much more. I'm happy you're here. I love you. I believe in you. Let's break free from fear together. This conversation is going to blow your mind and absolutely move your heart. Seriously, guys, this is so good. My friend Jamila goes in on how we can thrive because joy is our birthright. Seriously, you deserve it, and it's not about getting it. It's remembering that you already have it. She talks about the dopest thing she's ever manifested, and it gets me all teary. This is great. Enjoy. Jamila, my friend. Freaking welcome to the Feeling Free podcast. And from what I understand, you are feeling extremely free this week. Yes, thank <laughs> you. So happy to be here, sincerely. Yeah, well, tell us. I mean, we're going to jump straight into it. Like, um, one thing that really resonated with me of like why we're speaking and like why you inspire me deeply. And I feel like your love, and that's really difficult to do, right? Like, through social media is to like portray love, but I feel mm-hmm. it from you. And is to dive into joy. I love how mm. it's, I love how you're talking about where we are worthy and deserving of joy and to like really thrive. Um, mm. So we're going to get into all of that, but you are just right now. I mean, this week, I mean, tell us about this fear and this taking the leap that you just barely did. Yes. So on Monday, <laughs> uh, that is exactly what, four days ago, mm-hmm. I quit my full-time day job that I have been working for the last three years and have been, honestly, I, I, I got this job because I wanted something that was flexible enough so that I could essentially set myself up to launch into working for myself. I needed something that allowed me the spaciousness in terms of the schedule and also working from home to be able to kind of still do my, my side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this year, it just became increasingly apparent that it was in the way. Um, that at, at one point it was kind of the launching pad and then, and then it, and then it was setting me up for launch and I was still not, I was still mm-hmm. there. And so once I, once I kind of came to accept like, oh, okay, this thing that was once facilitating my, you know, progress into the, into further alignment is actually now obstructing my progress into further alignment. And so I quit my job on Monday. I put in my notice. I was like, this is it for me. Um, and I'm going to go full time with teaching and guiding and writing. Nice. And yeah, I'm, I am terrified. <laughs> truly, <laughs> I'm scared, um, but I'm also excited. And I feel, mm. I mean, I, this has been one of the best weeks of my life because I feel oh, the freedom. Like it feels mm. like there was a weight, like I, I kind of felt the weight, but now that it's been lifted, I'm able to perceive in fact, how heavy it was. So Ooh. I just feel so free. Ooh, well, first off, congrats, Thank like, you. like for real. Um, and it seems from your social media presence that you know how to celebrate. 
but yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. Like seriously, cause that's something that I personally had to like attune myself to and like be really conscious and intentional with. Mm. Um, but you mentioned something which I think is really key uh, or a lot of things is how it was the launch pad for your next step, for your growth, for your purpose. And then it was obstructing it. A lot mm. of people think it's either or like it's, you know what I mean? But I like how Definitely. you were, I like how you were able to see how it was really beneficial. And then it was actually detrimental. Right. Like, will you like expand on that? Cause like that can really be, whether that's sometimes a relationship, a job, anything, you know? Totally. I mean, I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a sort of like, I'm a visionary and I know that that probably resonates with you too, but I'm able mm -hmm. to kind of, um, and also super enjoy being able to sort of visualize a trajectory or kind of see like, okay, first, this is what I need. And a few years ago, I was very clear that home home was sort of my big goal. That was the thing that I felt like I am couch surfing. I mean, I was just like truly living my twenties, you know, I was like mm -hmm. couch surfing, like living in basements for the summer, like kind of doing it all going to Mexico, like just trying to figure out where to be physically. And I realized I, because I'm spending so much of my like mental currency and my energy, my energy currency is being invested in home in moving and settling and decorating and i thought i really need i need to reclaim that energy i need to settle so that i can have the kind of i can i can re reinvest all of that energy and attention towards building up you know my my purpose work and so once home was established then i was like boom okay i got my apartment it's cute you know manifested a like really nice place yeah. near the park it was wonderful Re felt really good about that so i was sort of finding myself moving through all of these different phases first i wanted to get the home then i wanted to get the job that was flexible then i wanted to you know start working on my purpose work then i wanted to you know i had this sort of step-by-step -step plan and I think what happens for me and also for a lot of people is that you kind of get lost in where you are in the process. You know, you're just sort of like going through the motions and then you forget that you even had this big, beautiful vision. And then all of a sudden you're like, what am I doing? Like what, <laughs> where, you know, and I, I came to that moment with my job where I was like, why am I, why am I doing this? Like, I know this isn't what I want to be doing long-term. I know this isn't really, feeling fully aligned with, you know, the work that I really want to do. So like, why am I here? So I had to, I was kind of sitting with that, like, what, what is going on? Then I was like, oh yeah, a few years ago, I manifested this because this is what I, these were the conditions that I needed. Mm -hmm. And now I have surpassed, I have surpassed that. I've sort of grown out of those conditions. I've now expanded. These conditions are now too confining. Um, but at one point, three years ago, it was like the perfect, I mean, it was like, it was what I needed for me to be able, because I, it was so challenging for me to think about launching a business when I was like babysitting and working at restaurants and trying to like piece together my income. True. What I needed was not to be, I mean, that again is such a huge energy leak is to, um, is to be thinking about how you're going to survive. I mean, it's yes. hard to be creative and imaginative when survival is something that you have to contend with. And so this job was a way that I was able to take survival off the table. I had paychecks every two weeks, I had health insurance, and that enabled me to really get into a space of imagination and creativity around my purpose work. And now I just, 
yeah, I just, with a lot of self-reflection, I mean, I'm very intentional about, I journal almost every day. I do meditation. So I, I am very purposeful and intentional about paying attention to myself and noticing when I have shifted and when the shifts that are happening internally are not being reflected in my external world. That to me is like, immediately I feel it. It feels, I call it like spiritual sickness or dysfunction. Like it feels like something is off. And I, I'm able to, because I've been so fortunate and intentional about not living in that feeling of something is off. Like I worked so hard to get out of that, that whenever it's happening, I'm like, oh wait, no, <laughs> this cannot, I can't, I can't let this go on for too long. Man, you're saying so many great things. This is, okay. I'm going to try and remember this all of what I want. You to got add. this. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I want to say that feeling so whatever that sick feeling was you said you mm. focused on living out of that like what is that and what causes that the spiritual dysfunction so yeah. i so spiritual dysfunction is kind of the the language that i use to describe the feeling of not living in alignment with who you truly are so that who you truly are who you are at your core the base of your being your true self some people call this your highest self in buddhism they call it buddha nature but it's sort of like the the truth of who you are whenever your lived experience i'll speak for myself when my lived experience my environment my relationships how i'm spending my time my thoughts my words my behaviors when they are not reflecting my truth so if i for example I believe myself to be powerful and necessary. Yes. I know that I have healing capacity. When I am spending my time not using my power to support other people in ways that are necessary for them, then I start to feel like it's like dissonance. It's mm. like there's something about, you know, it's kind of like I'm performing. Like mm. there's my truth, but then the way I'm moving through the world is kind of like I'm acting as if, I'm not powerful and necessary. And mm. living in that performance starts to feel like, it's kind of like crazy making actually. Not, I mean, crazy making to use the word very literally, like it starts to feel like, like, you know, like at the end of the day, like, ooh, long <laughs> day of performing. You long know, day it's, of like, performing. it's exhausting and it mm -hmm. starts to feel like, yeah, this doesn't feel good. Like, I don't wanna have to put on or to pretend that this feels good for me or that I'm loving it. You know, I don't want to have mm. to pretend in a meeting that I'm like totally into it, you know, and we're talking about future plans for the company and I'm like completely checked out like that. That doesn't feel good. That starts to, there's like an inner kind of knowing that's like, Hey, 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 this isn't, this isn't you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's when wow. it is like when I feel like I'm, when, it's really the performance when I feel like I'm acting. That's beautiful. That's, like, and that, and I assume that almost ties into, like you said, surviving. So mm -hmm. almost like the performing. Um, mm -hmm. So how, like, how, I'm curious, like, how did you even get to that place? How did you even recognize that? Well, I'm curious, like, so at what point of your life were you just surviving? How did you recognize you're surviving? And then how did you begin to move out of that? Mm. That's a great question. How did I recognize that I was just surviving? I think, I think it's that I, you know, I believe deeply that we're always, 
we're always who we are. We've always been who we are. You know, I think yes. everyone has a story that you can point to as a kid where you were like, yes, I was totally myself, like that three-year-old me, you know, that like whatever we do when we're children, that kind of shows us that we've always been who we are. Um, and I think for me, realizing that I was kind of trapped in this survival pattern was feeling disconnected from the things that make me me because I was exhausted, actually. Like I was coming home and kind of not having, not having the energy or the life force to do things that sparked joy for me. Mm. That I was kind of just going from work to recovering from work <laughs> back to work. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like, that's really it. It's like, it wasn't like, and it's not even a full restoring. It's not like, you know, mm. when you're recovering from work, you're like, you know, can, it, it wasn't like deep, restoration it's kind of like i'm just gonna charge up enough to be able to do it again and i you know i have been at my whole life since i i think you know maybe second grade i mean i have dozens of journals they're stacked dozens that. of journals that i've been journaling my whole life and that's just been something that comes very naturally that i have sort of almost always through most of my life been engaged in this process of externalizing what's happening in my mind and seeing it on the paper. Mm. Um, so, and I do a process, you have you heard of morning pages? I talk about yes. morning pages all, so I do morning pages. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, morning pages is a practice. Um, the language was created by this woman, Julia Cameron, who wrote this book called The Artist's Way, which is a, a workbook for creative recovery, for people who are trying to reconnect to their creativity, to their authentic self, um, and the practice is every morning, first thing in the morning, you write three stream of consciousness pages. So I've been doing morning pages now consistently almost every day since 2015. So five years. Um, and so what I love about morning pages is you, mm. you know, it's easy sometimes to lie to other people different I find to lie to yourself <laughs> um, you know so it's like every day I'm writing and reflecting and usually because it's the morning they're think it's my worries it's the things that are I'm kind of that are sort of feeling sticky for me so I'm able to see you know I'm like dang I've written about this not wanting to work every day for the last 13 <laughs> days like yeah. on day 14 it occurs to me like okay well maybe you should make a shift like it's kind of impossible to ignore something that I'm sort of looking, literally looking at every day. Um, so journaling morning pages definitely helped me recognize that I was in that pattern of like survival recovery, um, you know, or working recovery, working recovery. Um, and you had a follow-up question. What was the second half of your question? I, knew, I know, but that was, uh, that's beautiful. Like, I like how you said it's work recovery. Like it's not deep restoration. I mean, I can definitely, yeah. I feel that for yeah. sure. And I'm so sure many folks. tons of people. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. It doesn't even have to be work necessarily or just anything right. that like that feels like performing again. Right. Right. Um, so I forgot what the follow-up question is, but now I have another one. So <laughs> as far as, um, so you said you've been journaling since like second grade. Are you naturally like this joyful? <laughs> Like when I, like when I look in your eyes, right. Is like, so I'm asking this for a point because people mm. it's ask me this, like, I'm maybe not as like energetic, but as far as just like chill and like foundational and grounded. Um, so I'm just curious, like how much of, is this natural, but at the same time, this is tricky because it is natural. Right. And we, you believe, and I also believe that 
it is like our birthright and that is within us. So mm-hmm. how do you balance that nurture versus nature aspect? Mm. That's a great question. I, I think um, I will say first that I have been, I'm very fortunate and in many ways feel very privileged to have had circumstances and particularly parents and family mm. that really um, supported, nurtured and affirmed me and my joy. So I was, I mean, and now I'm, now that I'm home um, to give folks some context, I moved back home. I live with seven family members. I live with (laughs) my mom, my stepdad, my stepsister, my grandmother, and three children, my, my two nieces and one nephew. And it's so beautiful because I'm able to see kind of in this wild, like, you know, it kind of feels like looking into a time capsule to see the way my mother and my grandmother engage with the children helps me understand why I'm like this. I'm like, oh, oh my cool. goodness. I was so loved on and so mm. affirmed. And so that I think is a huge part of nurture that I was, I was greatly affirmed, encouraged, um, celebrated, loved on. Um, and, and I was always, you know, I was celebrated for being unique and my parents loved that I loved to journal and I would write poems and I was cool. very theatrical and that was encouraged in me. So I know that that is partly how that, that seed it wasn't, you know, I think a lot of people have that seed within them and, and the way that they're raised, you know, they're, they're taught to bury it. But yeah. I feel like my parents really helped me nurture it. So that's one thing. But then also, I, I've cultivated my joy. I'm very intentional um, about, about cultivating my joy. And, and what that means is getting very clear about what are the things that help me be joyful Mm. What are the things that are obstructing my access to my joy? And then prioritizing, either uprooting the things that are obstructing and then cultivating the things that support it. Um, And so I don't know, Ben, if you know, but Mm -hmm. my sister died suddenly. My sister died Mm -hmm. um, almost almost to the year. She died on August 18th, 2018. She, She died suddenly of an overdose after being sober for two years, leaving her three children behind. So we now have a 12 year old, 12 year old, a nine year old and a two year old. Huge traumatic incident. No one expected her to go. Six months later, my dad died from cancer. So I have a very intimate relationship with grief. Yeah. And what those two mind, I mean, not my life altering experiences helped me understand is that grief is inevitable. Yeah. It's not that I'm not, you know, there's not like, oh, what, you know, it's just me. Every human being, if we're alive and we have a body, we're going to experience death, loss, grief, suffering, pain, that there's no way to be exempt from it. So knowing that it's coming, <laughs> yeah, knowing that it's coming compels me to root myself in joy, in alignment, in rest, in pleasure, because it's sort of like, this is kind of how I power up. You know, I, I, I know that because grief is inevitable, my joy also has to be as intentional so that when it comes, it doesn't knock me over, that I'm not so far mm. removed from joy that these difficult moments disconnect me from this sort of inherent potential for joy because it's so easy when you're grieving to get lost in this narrative of this is it forever. Yes. There's, I'm, I can never be happy. This is so awful. This is so hard. I'm going to be stuck here forever. Also, I think a lot of people, myself included in the past, avoid feeling the depth of our feelings because we don't trust that we'll be able to pull ourselves out. 
So joy and being intentional about being joyful and finding things that support me being joyful, that is how I build self-trust in knowing that I'm going to be able to pull myself out. I don't have to be afraid to let the grief completely wash over me because I know that joy is accessible because, I, because I, I'm really intentional about feeling it. Um, and also, I, also grieving gave me permission to claim my joy. There's this Buddhist saying, those who have suffered the most deserve to become the happiest. Ooh. And I took that thing to heart. I was like, <laughs> okay, I deserve every ounce of abundance, every ounce of laughter, like all of the goodness. I didn't, I think grieving gave me permission not to question whether or not I was deserving of joy. Um, because I understand that everything works in balance. And so if I grieve deeply, then I also get to be as deeply joyful. Man, I love that. Like, yeah, I mean, that's dope as hell. And like, as far as someone, man, I just like, I just feel like, I just think this is really cool because you're at this really cool juncture. And for people to understand that, like, it's like where you are in your life, right? As far as just like, you just quit the job, like your job, you're, jumping into teaching full time but for you to be like where you are that's funny i was on a trail run thinking about this this morning is like you don't need to be like famous you don't need to be like uber successful you don't need to be known to like live the life of your dreams or to, to thrive and have joy that's right right because i was like running and like i was overlooking like this peak of like these mountains and i was like like i never like on a Friday morning at nine, you know, I'm like, thank God I'm not in an office. Like, seriously, I think about that almost every day still. And, but it's not like I didn't have to do, it's not like I don't make a million dollars a year or anything right. like that, you know? And so I think this is, I like how you said, just access your joy. It's very accessible. Um, and I think this is a very important point to make. So for people who maybe, cause I'm like you where I was showered in love. Um, and I had someone tell me one time, Ben, you grew up around such love so you can show others what it's like to receive that love. Mm. Um, and so that's part of, I think that's like you and me, right? Is like, that's why we're loving, but then that's also going to repay like the collective, you know? That's right. So how do you, how do we teach like the people like I think of people who have really been like oppressed for a long time or grown up in a culture or just like a neighborhood. And that's really like, to me, that's all they know. All mm -hmm. they know is like fear. I'm like, I'm getting chills right now. I'm actually like emotional. Like all they know, they don't know joy. So how do we teach them? Mm. I think... I think that people do know joy, mm. that it's something that I feel like all of the lessons I'm learning, I'm actually remembering. Oh, I love that. I'm remembering that I think that we all have a touch point of joy that we can refer to. And it might be buried. And for many yeah. people, it's super, I mean, it is, you've got to dig that sucker out. <laughs> yeah. But I do believe that it's in there that, you know, and I tell people that I work with all the time, every desire that we have, everything that we crave at the root of it, at the core of that desire is a feeling. Mm -hmm. So we want home because we want the feeling of 
safety. We want a relationship because we want the feeling of love. But how do we know that we want love or safety? How do we know? It's like, I've never craved, I've never had a food craving for something I've never eaten, you know, never. So similarly, I think with our desires, we are able to recognize it as a desire because we know it already. Um, And so I think if you crave joy and you crave peace, stability, it's because you have a frame of reference, whether or not you can actually intellectualize where in your life you felt it. And maybe it was fleeting, but you know it, you know it enough to want it. And so I think, I think knowing that my joy is inherent and actually that it's not, it's not something that exists outside of me. Like, even if we don't, and I think that's kind of a, that's a, that feels like a big, that was a big pill for me to swallow, which is like, I had to, and I think this is something that is challenging for a lot of people is that it's easy. Well, maybe not easy, but the habituated conditioned response is to be blaming other people for what we have and don't have. I'm like this because my parents, or I'm not like this because my circumstances, but knowing that I am the sole author of my story from this point forward, from this moment forward, really helps me take responsibility over my life. And I think there are a lot of folks who allow themselves to stay stuck and disconnected from their desires because they're still giving their power away and saying, I can't be happy because my parents were trash or I can't be happy because I hate my job or whatever it is. Like I can't be happy because, Mm. right? So like whatever comes at the end, I can't be fully happy until, or I can't be full. I can't have my desires until these conditions are met. And, and so I think, for people who hold that narrative, I would encourage you to reframe that, that, that actually knowing I can be happy no matter what, I can access the, the, the fullness of my desires regardless or despite my circumstances or my past. I think that is like a mindset shift that opens the door, um, that opens the door to being able to access that joy, is knowing that it's available to you no matter what. What's up, you guys? Last week, I put out a free guide that that is helping you break through three fear-based beliefs around money, around your relationship with money, because true financial freedom is not truly about how much or how little money you make. Of course, you've got to cover the necessities, the essentials, but beyond that, it is your relationship with money. It is your mindset. It is your psychology with money. So you guys asked for more, and so I am happy to deliver um, a free video series. So I'm putting myself in the hot seat and bringing you five life-changing videos, and again, this free series. So each day I am going to be releasing a new video to help and cover every aspect of your relationship with fear and finances. So I'm really going into detail. So your relationship with debt, your relationship with your significant other, your past, your future, like your fear of success and the importance of investing in yourself. So really, I would suggest, especially if you enjoyed that guide, if you want to know more, go download that. It is in the description. It is in the show notes. So go do- go download this free video series that it is not going to be on social media. It is just for the people who are signed up for this. So go check it out. It is in the description. It is in the show notes. And I can't wait for you to break through this fear to obtain true financial freedom. And 
Well, I'm going to keep this secret for later. All right, y'all. Keep enjoying this amazing episode. This is dope. I'm loving it. So like, I mean, just to highlight a few couple of things um, that you said is one, it's not that it's not the past, right? It's that, that it's yours to access going forward and to like reframe mm-hmm. that and to claim that power, which I think is a distinction, right? Because there may have been wrongs or mistakes or whatever you want to call them like in the past, but, and so like going forward, I think that just like that, that's a key thing that you said. And then with being deserving of joy and then also how you said, I like how you brought the food metaphor in of, yeah. cause how can you like crave something? We don't like, I've never tried, I don't know, like some exotic fruit. Like I'm not craving it cause I don't know it. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so it's like, but you do know joy. I think that is such like, this is such a gem that why would you crave it if you don't already know what it is? So that's you, right. You already do know it and to remember it. That's so cool. And so yeah. when you've worked with people or with yourself or when you see in, you know, your relationships or society, what is the relationship of, I feel like the word deserve is icky to some people. Like mm-hmm. I'm worthy or I deserve this. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts and experience with that? I, that resonates that, you know, it can feel a little like deserve to me also feels a little funky because deserve to me makes me think of like, I deserve this because I've done something to yes. deserve it. So there's that, you know, deserve, I think is kind of like, yeah, you deserve this because you've done something to, to, you know, to have warranted that. And I think I, I use the language, the language that feels most empowering to me is inherently worthy. Mm-hmm. It's inherent. So I don't have to do or be or produce or create or solve <laughs> anything to be inherently worthy. When I came into human form, I am in, the moment I arrived, I was inherently worthy of a beautiful life. I didn't have to do, there's nothing I have to do. There's no one I have to become. There's nothing I have to prove. But that because we're alive, we are, it is, it is part of being alive. Is that, and that's actually a deep belief of mine is that we are alive to have a beautiful experience, period. I don't think we're here to do anything else. I think we're actually alive in human form to have a beautiful human experience. And I think a lot of that is also, for me, my beautiful human experience is very rooted in service and very rooted in purpose. And so it's not saying that I can just, you know, I'm just here, I'm gonna just like meditate all day and just like live my best life and I have no accountability (laughs) or, you know, there's no interconnectedness. It's not that, it's that for me, my living in alignment with my purpose and being in service of the greatest good of all is what gives my life such deliciousness. Mm. And that gives me such meaning and such a deep sense of, of, I mean, I can't say it enough, but purpose. I feel like I'm here for a reason. Um, and that is part of what makes my life beautiful is feeling like I'm here for a reason. So, so I think, yeah, being, being inherently worthy is that, is that knowing that just because you're alive, just because you're alive, that you are entitled, you are entitled to a beautiful life because you have a human, because you're a human being. I love that. I completely concur as like, like entitled. I mean, that's also another thing that people could get stuck on right but it's like but literally like you are like because you're born because you're here no matter what yeah you're inherently worthy and like entitled to that yep 
like for real. And, um, and it's like, and I think, I think I saw someone comment on one of your photos about, um, when you were talking about this, I can't remember which topic exactly it was, but they were essentially saying like, Hey, Jamila, like nice caption. Like you make it look so effortless, like effortless while I struggle, you know, Mm. and which I totally, I mean, relate to that. But again, going back to the beginning of you going on this new journey, you said you're both terrified and excited, which they're technically the same chemical in the brain. That's right. <laughs> right. But it's like, like, I would love for you to talk about that of, it's like, look, like I am terrified. Like, even though I'm talking all this cool thing, like all these cool things, I know I'm inherently worthy, but I still feel fear. Like, just what is your feeling with fear, but still like moving forward, like and moving through it and loving yourself and having compassion. Mm. So I, I, <clears throat> I had to re I had to really redefine my relationship with fear because for so much of my life, I was under, I was operating under the assumption that fear meant danger or that fear, very physiological Yes. you know, physically, that it means that there's harm is on the way. Because you are afraid, it means that there is something that can hurt you <laughs> to be afraid of, that there is a reason to be fearful because you're in danger, your livelihood, your life is actually being threatened. So being able to separate the feeling and to be able to discern, okay, the feeling of fear does not necessarily mean that, you know, death and destruction is impending. <laughs> it means that, you know, it might mean that there's something new, or that, you know, like you said, I'm excited. Um, but, but learning how to take fear and, and actually say like, okay, using fear as a teacher. So if I am, yes. so right now I'm afraid, and of course, you know, and I, and I externalize my fear. So I'm afraid mostly of losing my job and not losing my job of, of losing access to healthcare. That's really the thing that feels like the stickiest for me is I am afraid. And that's a physical, I mean, that's practical, right? Like mm -hmm. that's a legitimate concern, right? Not having health insurance is like, yikes, you know, especially in these United States, like that's a precarious place to be for a lot of folks. So that is that to me feels like an actual fear. Now, what I have to do in my own mind is say, okay, what's what's actually at the root is death. That's actually if I if I follow the fear, like what am I really afraid of? My fear is that something's going to be really wrong with me, and that I'm not going to be able to afford the healthcare I need, and then I'm gonna die. Okay, <laughs> so I have to be able to be like, okay, this is not going to happen. Like that is the fear thought is the feeling that I feel is because the narrative points me to death. And just, yes. you know, so I have to remind myself that it's like, actually fear is pointing me to my value, which is wellness mm. is wellness. That is actually what is, that is actually the thing that I don't want to lose is my wellness, which is within my control. That has not, my wellness is not dependent on my health insurance. My wellness is dependent on how I value my life Boom. and the ways that I move through the world accordingly. So my sleep cycle, eating. Now, granted, right, like if I get cancer, okay, you know, or some, God forbid, some like something that I can't treat on my own, I have to be trusting that I am, that I, I'm not moving through the world alone. Like you said, we're interconnected. And even, you know, I even do like, okay, even though I try to encourage people not to visualize the worst case scenario, sometimes it is useful to <laughs> just agree. sit with the like, what is the most absurd yes. fear thought? Like, okay, what if I get some like incurable disease and I don't have the health insurance to, to, to pay for it? 
then I was like, okay, I'll just make a GoFundMe and tell the people of the internet that I have a disease and I need support and I'll watch the money flow in. Like, (laughs) you know, like it's not, I'm able to sort of talk myself out of the, well, not even talk myself out of it, but just a one recognize how absurd it is by naming it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to die because I quit my nonprofit job. I okay. <laughs> that's not going to be, that's not the thing. <laughs> so recognizing that the fear is actually like something that is rooted in a real concern. And then also thinking through, okay, well, even if the thing that I'm most afraid of, even if that were to transpire, knowing that I have the resources internally and externally to navigate any circumstance that comes my way enables me to not let fear like boss me around or prevent me from moving forward. Um, and it's a lot of self-trust actually. Like I, I have navigated things that I thought for sure would destroy me for sure. For sure. You know, I think, you know, people, because my sister struggled with addiction, I used to think, man, if something, if she ever died, I don't know what I would do that would destroy me. My life would be over. Of course, Mm -hmm. that would be the worst possible thing. When my father was diagnosed with cancer, worst case scenario would be that he died, Mm. right? And not to say that it wasn't awful and traumatic, but I'm still alive and you're able to perceive my joy, right? So it's like, even I, I know that I've survived the hardest, the hardest thing so far. I know that also my challenges will continue to level up as I do. But knowing that I am able, that I have, again, the inherent capacity to navigate and overcome any, even the most challenging of circumstances, enables me to sort of face them um, and not say, you know, because I think a lot of people don't take big leaps because they don't trust themselves to be able mm-hmm. to survive. They're like, I, that would destroy me, right? Like that narrative of like, that would completely ruin me, or I wouldn't be able to get through it. I wouldn't be able to handle it. I think that is really the thing, you know, it's not the, it's not the incurable disease. It's not believing that I would be able to, to handle it. That keeps me stuck. Um, so trusting like, no, anything that comes my way, I actually have the wisdom, the compassion and the courage to be able to move through it. It might not feel good. <laughs> I might not move through it gracefully, but I know that it's not going to destroy me. I love that. That's, I mean, preach, like, I love that so much. And like one thing I love is that to really talk about is fear reveals where you're not free. (laughs) Jeez. Because it really, it is Mm. right. And so that's why it's a teacher. So that's, so my whole like life purpose and mission is to really change our conversation and relationship with fear. Exactly. So I absolutely love everything you said as far as it is a teacher It's literally showing you, right. It's like, Hey, if you want to become the next level of joy, the next level of fulfillment, the next level of peace or ease or whatever that is to you, it's like, it's literally pinpointing to you. That's right. Like where to up level. And Mm -hmm. so that's why it's a gift, but then that's why also it's like (laughs) terrible at the same time because we don't listen to it. Um, And I love how you said, oh, like I love how you actually brought up imagining the worst case scenario. Um, I love it so just because it's like the acceptance of it. It's like, let's just say you do end up on the street. Like, let's say, like, I mean, you have an amazing family, right? That can take care of you, but let's just say the worst case scenario, I end up on the street. Are you still fully capable of living joyfully in that moment? Mm. 
right? So it really is like it's acceptance. It's going to those places because like you said, it feels like death. But it's like, no, let's actually just entertain it. Let's just go there. And yeah. like, like, like you said, it doesn't feel good. It's not like ideal. Right. But, but <laughs> Might like, not love it. Yeah. But like, seriously, if I was on the street, I would still go to a park or I would go to a warm beach or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's like, right. so it's like all those different things. Of course, I'm not promoting that. Like, don't go do that. But just accepting that, like what you said, your joy is still accessible. You're still here. And it's that, that self-trust. So that was amazing. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about manifestation. Love it. <laughs> what let's. is this? Let's do it. Because I know you have a manifestation masterclass coming up. I so do. what is like the dopest thing that you've ever manifested? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I think the dopest thing that I've ever <laughs> manifested is probably a harmonious family. Ooh. My parents got divorced when I was eight. I was in third grade and it was devastating. I mean, it was like my whole world shattered. And for 20 years, my parents didn't really speak to each other for 20 years, two mm. decades. And shortly before my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I, I started practicing Nietzsche and Buddhism. And How a lot of the, time? I was 27. 27, okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I started practicing Nietzsche and Buddhism, which is basically, um, you know, the, it's the practices of chanting. You, you chant the, the title of the Lotus Sutra, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Um, but a huge part of the practice is identifying your desires, your dreams. And, and the theory or the philosophy is that desires are enlightenment. That everything you want, everything you crave is, is, actually, the, is actually the thing that will help you. It's the motivator. Right. So like if you don't really want freedom or um, alignment or abundance, then you're going to stay the same because there's nothing motivating you to change your behavior. Mm. And so in Nietzsche and Buddhism, which really resonated with me is that they're saying, no, you know, you don't have to cast off your desires. Your desires are enlightenment. Your desires are the fuel for you becoming the fullest version of yourself in order for you to have everything you want with no exception. You have to deal with the parts of you that are not serving you. You have to face your shadows and, and so, so this practice, I was like, okay, what do I really, really want? And also what feels like almost impossible? You know, like what is, mm -hmm. the, what is the thing that I just so deeply crave? And what I came up with was I want my family. I want my family to be harmonious. I want my family to be well. Mm -hmm. And literally three days later, like three days after <laughs> I started practicing, it was three, three days after I started practicing this Buddhism. I mean, I was like, that was what I was, I was, you know, praying for, I was calling in and, um, and in, in Nietzsche and Buddhism, a prayer is not a request for something outside of yourself. It's a determination to, it's a determination and a vow to create the conditions that enable that thing to be possible. So when we pray in Nietzsche and Buddhism, we're not saying, Oh dear universe, please let my family be harmonious. We're saying I commit to making causes that support the effect of my family's happiness. So, Three days later, my dad was diagnosed with cancer 
And to make a long story short, it was during my father's recovery process that my mother and my dad, after 20 years of, I mean, probably speaking cumulatively three hours with each other, my mom went to the hospital. My mom happens to be an oncology nurse Mm. (laughs) because of my life. And so she was in the hospital. My dad was like in a coma, basically wasn't speaking non-responsive, had lost like all, you know, capacity for words and movement. He was not doing well. And my mom went to the hospital, laid in the bed with him Wow. and said, this is Karen. My mom's name is Karen. She said, TJ, this is Karen. You need to get up. And he opened his eyes. I mean, this is, he hadn't spoken, moved, right? And so she like, she literally held him and they were, I mean, and he cried and was able to say like, you know, I've always loved you. And this was my biggest loss was losing you and our family. And they had this huge, I mean, this has been weeks, weeks after I said, I want my family to be harmonious. Wow. And at first I, you know, my mom said, do you want me to go to the hospital? Like I was taking care of my dad in the hospital every night. I wasn't leaving his bedside because I was like, you know, so afraid that if I left, something would happen to him or he would die and be alone. And so I was like around the clock. I was like, we're, if he's going to die, I'm going to be here the whole time. And if he's going to live, then I'm going to see him through. And so my mom had asked me originally, like, Jamila, do you want me to go? Do you need support? And I was like, no, mom, you haven't spoken to this man in 20 years. This is the most vulnerable <laughs> state he's ever been in. He's yeah. literally might be dying. Do you think that he's going to want to see you? You know, like someone he has <laughs> to talk y'all, you know, to make him better. Like that just doesn't seem right. Um, but then at a certain point, you know, I just couldn't do it by myself. And I just, you know, she was like, do you want me to go? She asked me again. I said, yes. And from that you know, allowing myself to be supported by my mother, that created the conditions for them to have the healing. And then after that, they developed this beautiful friendship. We were going out to eat meals together. Like I have photos from my family when I was like six, nothing until I was like 28. And we're like going out to dinner together. My dad was coming over for birthdays. Like, I mean, this is just, I couldn't I almost like couldn't have imagined it. Like even my own imagination was limited in thinking about the healing that was possible. And certainly, you know, my dad passed away last year, but still in that time, they were able to find that healing and able to reconnect. And it just, it, I think that, and I like, of course I can't take full credit. Like I did it all, you know, I manifested (laughs) it. But I absolutely, I absolutely said, I want this. I want it more than anything. And I am willing to feed and to nurture the seeds that make this, you know, healing garden possible. Um, and so that, that to me is like my, my greatest, that, that feels like the dopest thing I've ever manifested was that knowing that in the end of my father's life, he was able to be in a deep friendship with someone that he, with his soulmate. Wow. You know, that my, that my parents were able to tell each other that they loved each other. My mom held my dad's hand as he was dying. Like wow. it was so beautiful. And I think after so much um, disconnection and trauma and unspoken feelings to be able to sort of connect again and find that togetherness and that peacefulness and to be able to express love after all of that, after 20 years to me is like that, that was probably the dopest just to see my parents like loving on each other after like not after even not even having the physical memory. I don't even remember my parents being together, uh, but being able to like experience that was so 
so healing for me and so profound. Um, and I take a little bit of credit. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. Um, I feel like I just, this is, man, that's moving. Holy cow. I feel like I just, if it, that needs to be a movie or something, because that no. is like, I feel like I just watched one of those movies and I'm like sniffling and everything. That was like, Oh, well, if, you know, if anyone listening knows any producers, let them know that <laughs> we got a story in the works for you. Well, and what I love about that Jamila is, um, because we often mistake love for romantic love. And, mm -hmm. but what I loved about, loved about your parents is like, just that, like, it, just the purity of it and mm -hmm. how it was, it's always there. Right. And it was, it was there, but fear got in the way of it. That's right. You know? And yeah, but that's just so beautiful that like, cause you didn't need to be like in a romantic partnership to like have no. that, you know? No, I mean, they, you know, they have children together. So, you know, they, that love was still there. Yeah. It was so beautiful to watch. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. I mean, damn that, that better be the dopest. thing. It's okay. For real. I'm like, I could talk about like vacations and stuff, but like, you know, my parents <laughs> finding healing and like forgiving each other after 20 years. Yeah. That was probably the dopest. Thing. <laughs> I love that. But, um, so just like, I mean, I mean, that's hard to top, but as far as like just some tips for manifesting that maybe some mm -hmm. people overlook or maybe some things that are blocking, um, mm -hmm. what would you advise? So this is what I tell people always first and foremost when thinking about manifestation. So I'm a writer. So I'm, I'm always like probably every day I look up the etymology of a word, what, it, what courage, compassion, whatever oh. it is. So manifest Manifest comes from the word that means to make evident. So when we're manifesting, what we're doing is making something evident. So if I've manifested, let's say, if I manifest money, I am making evident my own internal abundance, that what is inside of me is now evident on the yes. outside. Now you have like the actual physical look. You see my beautiful house, you see my beautiful life. That is evidence of my inner world. Love that. And so when thinking about manifestation, I think it's kind of a, you know, buzzword and it kind of feels like, well, I'm a manifest again, pulling something from outside of me. I'm reaching for something that is out there that I want to get closer. And in fact, manifestation is actually about cultivating your inherent qualities such that your environment kind of without manipulation without any actual, you know, you kind of don't really need to do anything other than to really cultivate your best qualities, your environment will mirror you. And that's something that it's like, I don't, don't take my word for it. Truthfully, try it. <laughs> like if there's something that you want to focus, even if it's courage, if it's courage or if it's, um, if it's wisdom or if it's love, whatever your inherent inner qualities are, when we commit to cultivating those into strengthening those and kind of polishing you know in buddhism there's this metaphor of polishing the jewel you know like everybody's mm -hmm. got a jewel but it's maybe you know it's like in, in the dirt you know you just kind of have to like clean that thing off and polish it <laughs> when we do that then it shines like when we're able to polish the jewel of our inner world then our outside world reflects the work that we've done internally so so knowing that you're never reaching for something outside of yourself knowing that a huge part of manifestation is about becoming more of who you already are and strengthening your best qualities. Will you repeat that again? I love that. Yes, um, that it's, it's about becoming more of who you already are. Manifestation is truthfully about becoming more of who you already are at your core 
and strengthening your best qualities. Um, and, and I think that re, re, redirecting your focus and attention, because it's not external. I think we get so caught up in like, oh, I really want you know, this house and I want this car yeah. and I want this job and that our energy and attention is so focused on the external that we forget that actually all of that is a result of what's happening in our inner life. So shifting your attention inward um, creates the conditions for those things to become possible. Also, another huge manifesting tip that I love, and this, this you know, it is like the secret or creative visualization. There's lots of, you know, uh, people talk about this using lots of different language, but that a, a useful like practical strategy or practice that you can start doing today is to what I call sit in the feeling. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, if you want, I keep using home as a metaphor because this is something that I desire. Um, living with seven people. It's no, <laughs> it's no wonder. Um, but so, so instead of just like thinking, intellectualizing, it would be really great if I had this, connecting with the feeling. What does it feel like when I am grounded, when I'm comfortable, when I'm spacious, all of the things that I think home, having a house is going to give me, and you can actually write this down. You can make a list. What are all the things that I want? Okay, I want a, I want a lover. I want a, a boo. Okay, why <laughs> do you want that? When you have that, what will that create for you, energetically or emotionally? Well, that's going to create um, support. I won't have to do things alone. Okay, sit in the feeling. Literally sit down, connect <laughs> with your breath, and sit with the feeling of what does it feel like when I am supported and surrounded by by resources, when I have access to everything I need because I'm surrounded by people who are able to support me in, in having it. What does that feel like? And again, you know what it feels like because you want it. So you have the memory, but connecting with the feeling, the essence of your desires and being in the feeling does two things for me. One, it reduces the, the sort of, um, the kind of urgency, like I'm not so pressed. You know, it's not like, I'm so desperate. Like, I feel like, there's a desperation sometimes yes. when you want something really badly and it feels accessible to you. When I'm able to sit in the feeling, and I actually, I mean, the mind is a truly magical and powerful place. You can actually feel, you can create, you can send signals to your brain, you know, through your brain to your body. I am supported. I am loved. Mm -hmm. And that actually is a physiological response. Your body responds. So having that feeling reduces the desperation I feel because I'm able to kind of, you know, it's like you can't have the whole meal, but you can have a taste. It's a sample, right? So you get to sample it and kind of, you know, mm, remember the deliciousness of it so that it's not something that you're kind of like forgetting you have access to. Um, but that also when you're in the energy, that's, the, that's what you're radiating. Right? Like that's your kind of your energy is sending like radio waves to the universe that says more, please, more, please. Mm. So how you operate is like you're on loud, your energy is on loudspeaker to your okay. environment that is saying like, I'm a magnet for this. So when I'm sitting in the feeling of ease and groundedness yes. and abundance, then I am sending out these strong radio waves that say more, please. This is what I want more of, as opposed to. I don't have it. It's far away from me. It's going to be hard to get it, right? Like that is then the, the frequency that you're emanating. 
Um, so, so I think it's, it, it feels like you're kind of attuning yourself to harmonize with what you want, to feel it in the now yes. and trust that it's not something that it's not a future reality, that it's actually the essence of it is accessible to you in the now moment. And the more you sit in the feeling, then, then that is, to me, that's actually what manifesting is. You're kind of creating the energetic conditions for that. Again, you're cultivating that internally. Mm -hmm. That becomes, you know, I'm cultivating my own inner sense of abundance or of support or of love and of ease. Um, and then the universe is responding to me. I love that so much. I mean, like just everyone just rewind, just listen to this again. But, um, <laughs> and the coolest thing about, about what you said is like the mind or the imagination is that it is truly powerful. And I think we just, we don't realize it and we still don't know, like me and you, even though we go in those places, we have no idea, right, of really like how powerful it is, which excites me. Like I, one of the things I like to say is like, I am limitless and like, show me what's possible. Like, mm. like seriously, like almost like seriously, like I don't know, kind of like what happened with your parents. Like you really had no idea you know, that that can actually happen, you know? So it was like you were shown what's possible. And all of that, what you said is free. Just to recap this, like we were given that like imagination is free. Like everyone has that. That's right. You know? And it's like, that's the coolest thing. It's the, it's way more complex and smart than any supercomputer, you know? And so again, right. It's like, like you're like the best things in life truly are free. And it's like, and it's inherent again, right? Like just to kind of like recap all of this, like we already have everything we need, like everything that we desire is within us. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, what else is there to say? Yeah. It's true. Yes. Facts. Um, what does, I mean, I could talk to you, like I'm really aligned with you for sure. Like, but what does feeling free mean to you? Like, when do you feel you're most free? Mm. For me, feeling free, it really feels like knowing myself. Mm. And again, I think, again, it's coming back to, it's like self-trust, self-knowledge, self-awareness, but it's also being connected to my truth. So when I feel the most free is when I feel like there's, I have no obstacles. I mean, literally, it's like, I, I am free to pursue my desires. I'm free to be myself. I'm free yes. to have what I want. And I think that that feeling, the feeling of freedom is actually the feeling of knowing, knowing my capacity, knowing my power, um, knowing that I am responsible for my life and that I, that nothing can take my freedom away unless I give it away. Also, there's a two-year-old who's trying to get in my room right now. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps you might hear it. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I, I think I feel most free when I'm really connected to myself. Um, when, I, when I'm connected to my power, when I'm connected to my, you know, those best qualities, because those are the things that kind of remind me that I, I have access to everything I want, that there's mm. not someone controlling my destiny. Um, that in fact, I am in control of my destiny. And, and so, and so being connected with that truth, um, 
is when I feel my most free. Also like on a practical level, like on a beach anywhere with like nothing <laughs> yeah. to do for the next seven days. That's like when I'm like, yes, this is my life. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. Well, like Jamila, like, um, man, I, I love your spirit. Like this is like, seriously, you're, you're so, yeah, you're beautiful. Like in so many different ways, like this was awesome. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your, your mental currency um, Thank you. And, and just like your wisdom and like, your, you. and your love. Like, seriously, I really, really appreciate you. Thank you. Same to you. And also this is such a beautiful platform um, that you have. Cause I mean, fear is, you know, everyone I work with my, my clients and my students, this fear is the obstacle. Yep. I mean, it's like, that's Every the thing. It's time. like, Every time it's yep. the fear. It's like whatever you think, whatever you think is the obstacle at the core is actually just fear. Yes. And so I think it's so powerful and so profound that you're creating a space for people to, to face it, yeah. you know, and, and to not be in a space of avoidance. And that is so, I mean, talk about freedom. It's like when you're able to befriend fear and to be able to just say like, yeah, I'm afraid. Yes. <laughs> this is just a fact. Like I don't have to be fearless. I think that's Correct. something that's, so beautiful. It's like, we don't have to be fearless. And there's so much, you know, people feel like they've got to, like, I, I'm supposed to not feel fear. It's like, no, mm -hmm. boo. No, <laughs> that's not it. You're not, not supposed to feel fear. You're supposed to feel fear and trust yourself to navigate through it. So, yes. so grateful, so grateful for you and for this platform and to be able to like, to be able to be here and be in conversation with you. For Damn. Real. Thank you. Yeah, this was dope. Like, I mean, the whole classic, you know, podcast thing, like where, where can people find you? But like, but not just find you, but like, I want to phrase this in a new way. Where can people like, not just connect, because that's something they say too, but I'm trying to like, where can people love with you? I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, let's see. So maybe where can people like be in community with me? That yeah. is something you can be in community with me on my Instagram uh, my Instagram is at Jamila Ready, and my website is jamilaready.me. And because I quit my job on Monday, <laughs> you will be seeing way more offerings. My vision and intention Amazing. is to create an online school. Um, so to be able to host conversations and workshops and trainings and um, have resources where people can really dig deep. Um, and work with me one-on-one, -on -one, but also in group settings. So for real, stay posted because it's coming. Yeah. Um, but my website and my Instagram, and I also have a podcast. Do you know about my podcast? So I went to it, but <laughs> there's been a break, right? There's been a break. I needed yeah, yeah. a break. <laughs> um, but yes, my podcast, Deliberate and Doing It Afraid, is um, and there's a couple episodes that you can dig into, and we'll be re releasing more throughout the rest of the year. Amazing. I'm excited for you. Like seriously, um, it's just to kind of experience your internal world for an hour is like, I'm just excited like for what you can teach and guide and like empower. And cause I know that you're coming from an empowering place to make people in power. Cause that's really yeah. what you've just been talking about. Yep. Um, is not, and it's people already have it within them is like, it's not like I'm giving it to you or I'm giving you the answers. It's like, look, I'm just kind of like reminding you or removing what's in the way. That's right. And so you have my support. You're dope. Thank you, friend. Same. <laughs> All right, y'all, you know what to do. Make sure you go subscribe and leave a review if you haven't already. And I would deeply 
deeply appreciate it, especially if you're on Apple, if you're on iTunes, make sure you hit pause or just keep listening and go leave a review and then tag me, tag Jamila on Instagram. Let us know you are listening. It would absolutely mean the world. And if you haven't already, make sure you go follow Jamila on Instagram at Jamila Ready. And we are planning on collaborating in a big way. So, man, just get ready for this course, this group coaching course on money coming out about your relationship and the fear of financial freedom. I'm excited to have her hop on board for something big. All right, y'all, here is the fear to freedom story. All right, y'all, if you do not know what a fear to freedom story is, this is when I recall amazing, truly transformational stories from clients that I work with, whether it's one-on-one in the membership, to really give you hope to give you inspiration, to give you the possibility that these things exist. Because a lot of the time we think that we can't change. We think this person can do it. I can't do it. I've never seen that happen. No one in my family has done it. We are looking for evidence to prove why we can't do something. So guys, when you were doing this, you were literally arguing for your limitations. You are trying to tell yourself like you were arguing for your misery. You were like trying to tell yourself to Yes, please keep making my life suck. Like that sounds silly, but it's true, okay? So this Fear to Freedom story, amazing clients, super blessed that I get to be a part of these transformations. And I'm gonna give you, on our very first call, I'm gonna give you just a list, a rundown, just to really give you the feel of where this person was coming from. So when we first spoke, she had just lost her job. She thought she was being furloughed, then she was terminated, and she had tons of anxiety and just didn't feel good enough. She had been breaking down emotionally, you know, with the riots, the pandemic and everything all together. She just had been crying a lot. And because she lost her job, um, she lost her job and she got a lot of fulfillment from her job. So now that she doesn't have that, she felt lost. Um, she had been using that as an escape, using education as an escape and haven't, hasn't really dove deep into like what makes her personally happy. She's been relying too much on her fiance for her happiness. She wants to be an individual. Um, And with her job, like in future work, she's fearful that she will look stupid in front of others that she won't be taking seriously. Fear of what people think gets in the way of her showing her true potential and greatness gets a lot of bad anxiety, just fear of looking stupid. And she's always had stage fright and like physically unable to give speeches and presentations again, doesn't know what makes her happy as an individual, which is common for a lot of us. She is way too hard on herself, her own worst enemy, feels like she will never be loved, feels like she doesn't deserve to be happy, doesn't always believe when her lover tells her, I love you. That's a big one, guys, right? Like if we're not believing, that could be a side note with the relationship, but a lot of people tell us that they love us and we don't believe them. So, has based self-worth on romantic relationships also for fulfillment and happiness and people haven't stuck around because they haven't been able to handle her emotionally afraid of being too much i know that's a lot of you out there that you're afraid of being too much and feels like you can be overly emotional and not being able to communicate and that your loved ones won't have the patience for that so as you can see uh i don't just passively run through that I guess I passively run it through through time wise but I really hope you hear that list because it's not to be taken lightly right this is this is people's pain seriously this these are people's amazing loving beautiful humans their pain and so when I asked if there's 
like what's the main thing I could do to help her? It would be to be confident, like more, more consistently confident. So this was one of the main takeaways that we wanted to work on together. And so today is really about how to be more confident. And it's funny because our first two weeks went really well. And she sent me a message and said, Ben, I don't know if I need coaching. <laughs> uh, well, one short, one short week later after she said that, some opportunities hit her for some growth and healing. Um, like most of us, right? Once I feel like we say something like that, life likes to throw us a curveball. And why she had that is because we were doing some exercises and, you know, I have patience in the process and she realized she had more negative talk than she realized. And guys, it's so important that I know like you don't know. So you listening right now, listening to me, you don't know. Well, I don't want to say all of you, but most of you don't know these self-destructive beliefs that you were playing on loops like one of the beliefs that we uncovered with her, which is a contributor to her insecurity and to her lack of confidence, is that literally was, I am not worthy of love. I am unattractive and not good enough. So hear this again. We, we're going to break this down. I'm not worthy of love. I'm unattractive and not good enough. So why I call these beliefs and not thoughts is because you actually believe them. These aren't just thoughts like, you know, just passively going through your brain. A lot of these thoughts that go through your system, there are deep beliefs on replay. And you don't realize how often you're playing them and how deeply you believe them and how destructive and detrimental they are to you. So when this happens with every single client, they're like, damn, I didn't realize how many of these thoughts that I was having. And then what, you, what we don't realize is the meaning behind these thoughts and what it is telling us about our worth and our confidence, okay? So she might have had been different, different thoughts, right? Of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to sound stupid in front of this person. That's how our brain, that's how our conscious brain at least um, will translate this. Is like, oh man, like I'm stupid and I don't want to look stupid. But really beneath all of this is I'm not worthy of love. And part of another belief was I'm unattractive and not good enough for like physical attractiveness, which also plays into confidence. So like you're most likely not going to just discover that casually, right? And so why I'm telling you these, these things is to hopefully have you become more aware because these beliefs you are replaying in your head are not true. And the first step to overcoming it, to replacing them is to becoming aware. So I encourage you to track all of your thoughts and get to the root of what this thought is actually saying. Like what is beneath that thought? What are you actually believing? Okay. And the whole process of this, of, you know, going from always stage fright, doesn't know what makes her happy as an individual, um, based her worth on romantic relationships on fulfillment and happiness based on work, so whenever work or relationship or love isn't going well, right, then it's like, oh, I suck. I'm not worthy. And you, it like breaks you down emotionally, right? So this is what freedom is. Of course, we have needs. We are humans. We have like biological needs. So it's not that we're needy. It's that we have needs. But there is a difference of knowing that we are individuals from our thoughts and beliefs and others. And that is where freedom comes in, right? To know that you are separate from these beliefs, that these beliefs that you have been thinking and believing and repeating for years are not true. 
So this is the work that I do with clients. And yes, of course, I'd love to work with you. But and yes, also, I believe that you can do this on your own. If you truly dedicate yourself and you have accountability. And the main thing I tell you all these things is because it's so possible. Like it is healing, freedom, expansion. These things are possible. Your dreams, everything you want is truly possible. If you just open your possibility to open your mind and realm paradigm to what's possible. And the cool thing about this client now is that she knows what she wants and needs and is able to voice that. And one of the cool things I see with her and other clients is it's almost like they don't give an F, like they don't give a crap. Like that that's kind of how it seems. It's not that way, but it's it seems like that way because they are truly free from whatever people how people respond. Of course they still care. And if they are so loving that um because a lot of the times what happens is that we think man, I care so much about these people responses that I care what people think. You think that it's like um, you're doing them a favor, but you're actually doing them a disservice by avoiding their feelings or trying to make them happy because it makes you less happy, which in turn, once they see you less happy, it makes them less happy, right? So the best thing that you can do is like love yourself fully, love them fully um, to voice what you want and what you need because then it just creates that clear expectation, that clear communication. So it is so cool to see people be free from a response because they're speaking their truth. And that's what it comes down to. So a lot of the times you might see people like, wow, they don't give a crap, but it's really that they are loving themselves so much and they're loving others so much because it's both, they're the same, right? Loving ourselves and loving others. Living in your truth is true freedom. So being able to voice that as true freedom. And now it is so cool. She has a new job, thriving in the new job. It's crazy how this timing works out. Um, The relationship like is going, I don't even know how to phrase it. Like um, she knows her worth. She knows who she is and is developing that and is not afraid to voice it. So I hope you have enjoyed this fear to freedom story. My wonderful, beautiful crazy dope fellow humans on this earth experience. If this inspires you and you feel like you want to work with me one-on-one, answer that calling. I encourage you to answer that. Don't just dismiss it over and over and over. Listen to it. Listen to it. Okay. Go to feeling-free.com slash coaching. That's feeling-free.com slash coaching to sign up for your first call. And then we will go from there. All right, y'all, I love you. I believe in you. Truly, truly, you are awesome. There's nothing you need to do, just like Jamila said in the beginning of this episode. You deserve it. It's already there. All you need to do is receive it or just remember it. Like, it's there. Your joy, your love, your freedom, it's already there.